you're probably wondering what is going on up here, right? And so I just want to introduce you to Mr. and Mrs. Mug. Can you all say good morning to them? Yeah, you feel silly. I know. I do too. All right. And so Mr. and Mrs. Mug, just to let you know, they, um, they met right after college, and Mr. Mug um, saw Mrs. Mug and was like, wow, she's a fox. And Mrs. Mug was like, he's all right. And, um, and so they started dating, okay? And when you're dating, uh, you're careful, right? You're careful around each other. You don't want to screw it up. There's some bumps along the way, but in the end, you're pretty careful when you date, okay? And then they got married. Okay? They got married. It was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful wedding, all that stuff. And about a month into their wedding, or into their marriage, I should say, um, Mrs. Mug realized that Mr. Mug has left his towel on the ground for 30 straight days. All right? And so something happened. They had an argument. Oh. And they look at each other and they're like, what was that? Right? Mr. Mug says, hey, I didn't know you had that in you. And Mrs. Mug was like, I didn't know you had an anger problem. And then next month, guess what? Another thing happens. And you're like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And so Mrs. Mug says, listen, this is great. I'm going to go visit my sister for a weekend and go talk to her. Mr. Mug's like, I'm going to go talk to no one because guys don't talk to anybody. And so Mr. Mug's thinking, looking in the mirror, like, what's going on? She's talking, like, talking to her sister, saying, I didn't know that was in him. I didn't know that was in him. And so the marriage goes on, and each time, all of a sudden, something happens, and they have an argument, and they keep having these arguments, and things keep coming out. And some of you OCD people out there are freaking out right now, <laughs> right? You're like, how are you going to do this? And so they get together, and they say, listen. Mr. Mug says, every time you bump me, this is what happens. This is what comes out of me. And Mrs. Mug says, well, every time you bump me, this is what happens. You see, but the point here today is that, and write this down if you don't know this, the reason that the blue beads are coming out of Mr. Mug is because that's what's in there, right? Because that's what's in there. It's not because she's bumping him, but it's because that's what's inside. And the reason the pink beads are coming out of Mrs. Mug is because that's what's in there, okay? And so what they didn't realize is that they want to blame each other for each little bump. They want to blame each other for what's coming out of them. But what's really important and what is our bottom line today is that that which is in you will eventually come out of you. And when that happens, guess what ensues? A mess, right? A mess. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be addressing the mess of our hearts. Or in other words, we're going to be addressing the mess of that which is inside of us. Okay? Something we have to understand is that Everything we do flows from our heart. And so I want you to picture your heart this morning like a fountain, like a well. And everything you do flows from your heart. And here's the reality of all of our hearts, every single one of us. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 7, 21 through 23. He says, For from within, 
Out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these vile things come from within, and they are what defile you. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning to hear that? Right? That's not very encouraging, isn't it? It's not, but, but it's reality. It's reality. We look at this passage and we're like, wow, we all have stuff inside of us. We all are defiled. We all are infected in our hearts. You see, Jesus obviously is not talking about our physical hearts here. He's talking about something that is deeper. He's talking about the heart that is within our soul. You see, what we have to understand and what the heart has talked about thousands of times in Scripture is that when the Bible refers to the heart, it's talking about the spiritual part of us where our emotions and desires dwell. And so what you're feeling, what your emotions are, and what come out, they all flow from who you are right inside here. What you desire flows from your heart. It's right in here inside. And so think about the last time your emotions got the best of you. Right? Some of you, that was this morning as you were hurrying to church. Right, think about the, the, the last time your desires took over and it may have not been the best choice, right? That all was flowing from your heart. Because Jesus says that's what defiles you, is what is within your heart. You see, our hearts cause a mess in our lives because we all have a serious heart problem. So even that phrase, you know that phrase, people, oh, but they have a good heart. No. Jesus would say otherwise, right? Jesus would say otherwise. We have good intentions, but we don't have good hearts. We have a heart problem. Look what Jeremiah 17.9 says, all right? So Jesus, Jesus was playing off of what Jeremiah 17.9 says as well. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And so I just want us to really focus a little bit this morning about the reality of our heart, the reality of the condition of the heart that's within us, that spiritual condition that we have from which our emotions flow and our desires flow and who we are flows. And that's the mess that we are going to address We have all been tainted by sin. We're all desperately sick. And that which is in you will eventually come out of you. All right? And so how do we address the mess of our hearts? The first and the most important step to take to address the mess of your heart, of my heart, is to understand that we need a new heart. Okay? It's to understand that we need a new heart. If our hearts are deceitful and desperately sick and, and all those things that Jesus said will eventually come out of us, just like we saw in Mr. and Mrs. Mug, we first need to address this idea of having a new 
heart. We need a new well that our desires and our emotions can, can come from. When you have a well that's out here, we live, this is, there's wells all around here, right? When a well goes bad, what do you do? You dig a new one, right? You dig a new one. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need a new well from which everything we do and everything we say and all of our desires can flow from. And here's the beauty of God's grace is that this is possible. We just sang it. His mercy is more. Even though our sins are many, even though our hearts are defiled, they're sick, by God's grace, he gives us the opportunity to have a new heart. Look at what Ezekiel 36.26 says. Ezekiel 36.26, this is God talking to Ezekiel. He says, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. This is, okay, so this is God talking to the prophet Ezekiel. Yes, there's a book in the Old Testament called Ezekiel. And God is talking to this prophet, and God uses prophets in the Old Testament to talk to his people, which is Israel. And let me just tell you, Israel is creating a mess, okay? They are creating a mess with what God has given them. And so God says to Ezekiel, listen, you need to go to your people, and you need to tell them that I'm going to give them brand new hearts. Because that's what's defiling them. It's their hearts is what making them sick. And so I'm going to give them a new heart, a new spirit. I'm going to take that stony, stubborn heart out, and I'm going to give them what they actually need, a tender, responsive heart for me. He takes the desperately sick, and he gives them this new heart. And they receive this new heart as a gift. As a gift. I want you to understand that God gives Israel this heart, not because they deserve it at all, in fact, they were pretty rebellious at this point. Not because they worked for it, because they didn't. They didn't follow the law that God gave them. They didn't do what God required of them. They failed miserably. They created a mess with their lives. And yet God gave them this divine gift of a brand new heart and a brand new spirit so they can be responsive and tender toward him not stony and stubborn. You see, out of love and grace, they receive this new heart. And so maybe some of you are sitting here today, well, how can I receive this new heart? How can I receive what you're talking about, what Israel received? How can I receive that as well? Well, listen close, because I want you to understand is that this heart transplant occurs when we admit and confess the selfishness and deceitfulness, the sin of our own hearts, and we put our faith in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Okay, we can receive this new heart by a divine gift when we simply admit and confess our selfishness, our deceitfulness, our ruined hearts, that we are sinners, and we can say, you know what? I'm going to put my faith in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, understanding that he had paid for my sins on the cross and he had resurrected, resurrected three days later. And it's in that moment, it's in that moment when God will give you a new heart. 
and a new spirit. A new well for your emotions to flow from. Your desires to flow from. Look what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says. This is Paul talking to Israelites again. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. I want to stop right there. Um, So if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, a lot of people believe that Jesus existed, that he was a good guy, and that maybe he even went to the cross. But, But a lot of people don't believe in this next part. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. Okay, There's a big difference believing that Jesus existed between that Jesus resurrected. You see, what Paul says here, he says that you can't just simply believe Jesus was a good dude because he was, okay? You're right in that. You have to go further. You have to go further understanding that when Jesus died on the cross, he actually resurrected three days later, conquering our sins. If he didn't do it, then our sins would still be with us. And that's why it's so important to not just believe he was a good guy, But yet, he died, and then he rose again. That's when salvation happens. For it is by by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. In other words, it's believing that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, and it's not being ashamed of him. Openly declaring your faith that you are saved. That's how you receive a new heart. It's simple confession. It's simple giving up your life so that he can give you new life that you desperately need. You see, just like someone with a heart transplant, a physical heart transplant, they, they get this new invigorated life. It's the same Thing. God gives us this new spiritual heart, this new spiritual well that we need. He gives us a new purpose, new outlook, a second chance on life. And so if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I really want this new heart. I understand that, that I'm a sinner. I understand that I've, I, I fall short from the glory of God. And, and, and I do believe that Jesus resurrected. All you simply need to do in your chairs this morning is, is just confess it. Just do it right there silently to yourself. No one has to know. And place your faith in Jesus. And if you have questions about it, I would love to talk to you about it after. We need a new heart. That's the first step of addressing the mess that happens in our life, right? Addressing the mess that we see all around. The next thing we need to do is we need to guard our hearts. And so once you receive this new heart, you have to guard your heart, okay? So I grew up in, um, I was in high school in the early 2000s, and um, Back then, it was really cool to buy Air Force Ones, all right? If, you, if you're like, what are those? They're white shoes, okay? They're white shoes, bright white, like you can see them from a mile away, okay? And I fell into the bright white shoes. Some of you other people my age are like, oh, yeah, I remember those. And so... Um, I would go to the shoe store. My, there's all these different shoes. My mom would always be like, what about these ones? I'm like, nope. And I go to the white section, and I'm like, I'm getting those, all right? So I buy these bright white shoes. They're brand new, okay? But then 
At the same time, if you buy white shoes, which a lot of you parents are like, that's dumb. They're just going to get dirty. Exactly. You have to guard them. They make spray for that, okay? So you buy the spray too, and you spray them with a little outer coat on them. You also buy the little scrubby thing. So if you do get dirty, you can scrub your shoes, make them look nice and white once again, all right? And so I got new shoes, and what you want to do, you want to protect it. Now, this is for anything. You get a new car, how, how you're, you're so focused on keeping it clean, like no one's going to eat in this car, and then about a week later, what are you doing? You're going through Chick-fil-A, right? Because <laughs> we have one. It's not open today, though, so don't go. Just reminding you. You see, right? Like, we do that with new things. We want to guard them. We want to protect them. We want to keep them how they should be. And that's exactly what we need to do with our new heart. That's what Solomon says here in Proverbs 4.23. He says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. So Solomon says, listen, above all else, guard your heart. Notice those first three words, above all else. This means that guarding our heart, especially if you have a new heart through faith in Jesus, should be one of the most important things that we do in our lives above everything. We need to make this a priority in life. You see, I love Proverbs because this is Solomon sharing all of his wisdom, which is a lot. He's sharing it with his sons. He wants to pass this wisdom down to his sons so that they'll pass it down and they'll pass it down. And he says, listen, sons, listen, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart for everything you do will flow from it. Guard your heart. Now, what we have to understand is that guarding is not just a one-way thing. And so what we need to really talk about is we need to guard, we need to guard what goes in and what comes out, okay? So a lot of us in church, if you grew up in church, you're really good at guarding what comes in, right? I grew up in super conservative uh, house and church, and you're just like, don't, nope, nope, don't even come in, Okay? But that was all we were focused on was what was coming in. We didn't really ever talk about what was coming out. And so let's talk about both, okay? And so how do we guard what comes in? And I'm just going to give you one example. There are a lot of other things you could do, but this is, the I, I believe, the, the first and foremost. In order to guard what goes in, we need to live in a posture of prayer. Now, I know that that's not some new relevatory statement, and you hear it probably every week from us up here, But listen, it's true. And a lot of you are like, I've tried praying. Well, listen, why don't you pray and ask God to teach you to pray? It's the only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them. It's the same thing you can ask as well. So if you don't know how to pray, ask God to help you and teach you to pray. And I guarantee you'll see some change in your prayer life. We need to live in a posture of prayer in order to guard what comes in. Look at what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, whatever's going on here, whatever's going on at work, whatever's going on with your kids, in every situation by prayer and petition, which is prayer and petition, which is the same thing. One's 
Another version says by thanksgiving and petition, okay, which means that you're thanking God in prayer, but you're also petitioning him to do something. With thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will do what? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I'm not telling you to pray just because I think it's good for you. I'm telling you to pray because when you do, God's peace will do exactly what you need him to do. He will guard your heart. His peace will come around your heart and he will guard your heart. You see, what's the opposite of peace? Anxiety, right? Chaos. Peace and anxiety, opposites. And yet when we pray, when we, when we come before God and we just kind of thank him, we praise him, we ask him to do things, guess what happens? Our anxiety, Paul says, don't be anxious because when you do that, your anxieties will, will be protected, your heart will be protected by God's peace and the anxieties won't come in. He will calm your spirit down, right? He'll protect what comes into your heart. And I guarantee that God's peace will also protect you from other things as well, protect your heart from other things as well. And so in order to guard what comes in, we need to live in a posture of prayer. And like I said, if you struggle with praying, ask God to teach you to pray. That is a great first step if you're new to prayer in your life. You see, we need to live in a posture of prayer because God's peace will guard our hearts. He will guard it from the bitterness that comes into our lives. He will guard it from the anger, from the lies, the gossip, the deceit. And at the end of the day, we have to understand is that we cannot guard our hearts alone. You can't do this by yourself. You can't say, well, I'm just going to strap up the boots and just figure it out. That's the opposite. You need God and his peace. So do I. That's what comes in. How do we guard what comes in? You live in a posture of prayer. Right? We just experienced, my family and I just experienced this recently. We had some anxiety and yet we went to prayer and all of a sudden peace just flowed in like we had never felt it before. Right? And that doesn't always happen, but it did. And, and it just proved this verse right. And it was pretty amazing. Now, that's how you guard what goes in. Now, how do you guard what goes out? Right there. Check the gauges. Right? Check the gauges. Okay? And so someone once said, our emotions make good gauges but lousy guides. And so only you, only you and me know what we're feeling inside here. Right? A lot of us, some of us are an open book and people can read what you're feeling in here on your, your face and stuff. Others of you are stone cold. And so what we need to do is not only do we need to protect what comes in, but we also need to protect what flows out of our lives. And so before we speak or act, we need to check the gauges. Let me say that one more time. Because we live in a culture of soapboxes all over the place. Before we speak or act, you need to check the gauges. Well, how do you do that? And these are from Andy Stanley. He says, to check the gauges, first identify what you're feeling. 
Take a moment before you speak or act. Take a moment, step back, and identify what you're feeling. Am I feeling angry? Am I feeling mad? Am I embarrassed? Do I feel unappreciated? How have I been wronged in this situation? Right? How many times has this happened, and yet you don't check the gauges and you just spout out, and it just causes a massive mess? So before you speak or act, it's so good to just check your gauge, identify what you're feeling. And for you dudes out there, go deep, okay? You can't just be like, right? That's what we do. We just make a noise. We don't even... And I know that because I do it. My wife's like, what's, it, what's wrong? Uh, uh. The next thing you need is say it out loud. So once you identify it, say it out loud. I speak it. Man, I feel this way. I, or, or I'm embarrassed because this happened. And when that happens, it is proven that the control of that emotion or desire loses its control, uh, is gone over you, Okay. All of a sudden, you regain control over what's coming out instead of just allowing it to flow out. And so when you say it out loud and you name it, you say, man, I truly feel angry right now. All of us know is once we get it out and we're like, oh, that's how I feel, we feel way better, don't we? We need to say it out loud, and then the next, we need to share it appropriately, a.k.a. not on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever the case may be. A lot of you don't know what these are, but that's okay. That's good. Right? In our culture, it's so easy to get, get your voice out there. But listen, sometimes our voice doesn't need to be out there. We need to learn how to share it appropriately. One of the things that we struggle with as a culture, myself included, is conflict resolution. Conflict resolution. We want to just talk behind someone's back or do this over here rather than approaching the person, having a private conversation with them, and sharing what we're feeling appropriately. And when we do all the other stuff without actually doing what we should be doing, the mess happens, doesn't it? And then it's drama. Oh, my life is just filled with drama. Well, maybe that which is in you is coming out of you, right? So we need to learn how to share it appropriately. It takes work to check the gauges, but here's what I want us to understand this morning. Is that if your heart is not in good shape, a mess will ensue, okay? If your heart, your new heart that you have in Christ is not in good shape, otherwise you're not guarding what comes in and you're not guarding what goes out, I guarantee you a mess will ensue. If you don't have a posture of prayer, your heart will become contaminated with anxiety, with bitterness, anger, all of that stuff that Jesus says flows from our hearts will contaminate it and come back in. And if we don't check the gauges, you will be the one contaminating. If I don't check my gauges with my wife, I'm the one contaminating our relationship. And so live in a posture of prayer, guard what comes in, check your gauges, guard what goes out, okay? So we have a new heart. We need a new heart. When we have that new heart, just like anything else we have new, we need to guard that. And the last thing, the last thing is we need to ask Jesus to guide our heart. We need to ask Jesus to guide our heart. Remember, 
Emotions make good gauges, but not good guides. 2 Thessalonians 3.5 says, May the Lord lead your, what's that word? Hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. We make, our hearts and ourselves make lousy guides. We need Jesus to lead us. Remember, God is for us, right? Like, I feel like we need to all get on the same page with that. Like, God is for you. He's for you so much so that he sent his only son to die for you and resurrect for your sins and my sins to give us this new heart, which means that I'm pretty sure that God has our best interests in mind, doesn't he? Like, God has the best interests in mind for you, and so I would highly suggest that you allow him to then lead your life because let me tell you, he has your best interests in mind, which means he's going to lead you somewhere that's good for you. He's going to lead you somewhere that's good for you. In fact, this verse tells us he's going to lead us into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the endurance and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. If we let Jesus guide our hearts, we will understand how much God loves us and others. That's what it says, full understanding and expression of the love of God. If we let Jesus lead our hearts, he's going to lead us into a full understanding of how much he loves you and also how much he loves others. But not only that, it also says that he's going to lead us into the patient endurance that comes from Christ which means that not only will we have a full understanding of the love of God, but also the endurance that we need to get through life. You see, and here's the beauty of all of this. Remember that that which is in you will eventually flow out of you, right? So if this is true, if Jesus is going to lead us into a full understanding of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ Jesus, and all of a sudden we, we are led there and that, becomes in, that comes in our hearts and we fully understand God's love and, and what he's done for us and we fully understand his love for others, we understand how to patiently endure through this world and this life, guess what's going to flow out of you? The love of God. And patient endurance. Isn't that amazing? If we simply allow Jesus to guide our hearts, he's going to have the best interests in mind. He's going to let you understand his love. He's going to let you understand what endurance is. And when that happens, that's what's going to flow out. And obviously there's more. We're going to understand uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are all gifts of the Spirit. If we let Jesus lead us into those, guess what's going to flow out of you? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? It makes sense, doesn't it? You're like, wow, yes, now I want Jesus to lead me because I want those things to flow out of my life. I don't want... A mess. A mess. Listen, when we guide our own hearts, which we do often, I'll be the first to admit it. I'll be the first to admit it. A mess will ensue. A mess will happen. 
And so we need to address the mess of our hearts, don't we? We need to address the mess of our hearts. I wonder if life would have been different for Mr. and Mrs. Mug. If they would have understood, listen, that that which is in you will eventually come out of you. I wonder if life would have been different if they understood, you know what? I do need a new heart because what's in me is not right. What's in me is deceitful and wicked. What's in me is not beneficial for anybody. In fact, it's just going to cause messes. I wonder what would happen if they understood I need a new heart. And they just said, you know what, I do believe that Jesus is able to give me that new heart and I'm going to place my faith in him and confess simply through prayer. I wonder how that would drastically change their life. And then on that, I wonder what would happen if they began to guard their heart, what comes in and what goes out. I wonder if they had a life of prayer, a posture of prayer, asking God, petitioning God, so that his peace can surround their hearts and guard what comes in, the bitterness, the deceit, the lies, anything that comes across in their situation. I wonder if they would guard what comes out if they wouldn't have those situations. And I wonder if they asked Jesus to guide their hearts, what would happen? You see, God has our best interests in mind. And we need to grasp that and embrace that. And so as much as I wonder about these cups, the question I want to lead you, leave you with today is I wonder how different your life will be if you allow him to give you a new heart, to guard your heart, or to guide your heart. That's a question you need to answer in your own life. Let's pray. God, I pray for anybody in here today who needs a new heart and who wants it and who desires it. God, I pray that you would just convict them and, and give them the ability to confess their sins and, and to, by faith, accept you as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray for anybody in here who possibly has been following you, but they haven't been guarding their heart. What comes in, what comes out, and their life is messy. God, I pray that they would begin to live a posture of prayer. I pray that they would check their gauges God, they they would just simply guard what comes in and what comes out so that they can glorify you in all they do. And God, I pray for those who who maybe need you to guide their hearts. They've been trying to guide themselves so much that it's just led to mess after mess after mess. God, I pray that they would allow you to guard their hearts into the full understanding of your love and patient endurance so that that's what can flow out of us. God, God, To be honest, our lives are messy because of our deceitful hearts. And so may you cause us to be humble enough to accept your help. We pray this in your name. Amen.